0: Hi, I'm Henry Welton. Do you like the Zombie Motion podcast and want more content? Then check out the Zombie Motion social media and website linked in the description. We've got animations, music, stories, and more. We're even open to collaborators and creatives coming onto the podcast to share their music and other creative works. If you want to share your content, email zombiemotionofficial at gmail.com to sign up for a slot. And by the way, keep creating. In a world where there are no mountains and all terrain is flat, we welcome you to our anti-flat haven. Welcome to the Zombie Motion Podcast. Welcome back, listeners, to our temporally isolated bunker, somewhere in the vast copses and sequoia forests of England. Today, we're joined by Angel Johnson, one of the new members of Zombie Motion, who has been an animator for just over a year. We're going to talk about something rather interesting, the perspectives of two animators within different stages of their journeys. So tell me, Angel, what inspired you to start animating?
1: Well, when I was little, when I was very little, I, like every child, We used to watch YouTube and I saw these many people, amazing animators with all these little characters. And I thought, well, I always had an eye for art. Why don't I try something like that? Mm. That's what got me started.
0: Uh, Which animator or character really rolled the ball for you, so to speak? Well,
1: it's always the I can never remember their names as it was so long ago, mm. but it's for some reason it's always been the animals who... animate these kind of animals.
0: Animals. You've always had an interest in animal animations. Yeah. Would that be how animals normally look or more of an anthropomorphic take?
1: It'd be like... They were humanised in some weird way. Yeah,
0: anthropomorphic. So, Angel, what kind of style of animation did you first look at?
1: Well, at first, I looked at how Disney do their animations. I thought, well, that's pretty cool. I I I started doing that, and then I saw another kind of animation called anime. And I really liked how they do the facial expressions and how they shape their eyes, so it's kind of drawing those kind of styles.
0: From what I can tell, anime relies very heavily on exaggeration of facial expressions, doesn't it? Yes. Have you looked at any other kinds of animation other than Disney's cell animation and anime's digital animation?
1: I have, but the other ones, I've kind of found them a bit too simple for my liking.
0: For instance?
1: Uh, the old Cartoon Network kind of animations from that studio, those animations have always been...
0: Yes, Cartoon Network's simple. animations are quite... um They're, they're digitalized or they're yes. CGI.
1: Yes, but their characters have always been looking really simple.
0: So, as an animator, do you strive for complexity within your characters.
1: Yes, a certain amount. Not where it's too complicated. No, of course not. Others, you know, people won't be able to see it properly, but...
0: <laughs> do you think that animation is meant to capture a different kind of story to live-action film?
1: Well, with animation, <clears throat> you can express your characters in a certain way where you can't do in real life. Like, you can make their facial expressions from the sad to devastated dramatic. you
0: could... Yes, I, I agree, but there is a different kind of take on it. <coughs> I've recently created an animated short which deals with the idea of facial expression but focus on one particular part of the face. The eyes. Mm. Do you think that's focusing too much on one specific part of the face? Or do you think that's a good way to go around it?
1: I mean, yeah, it's it, it, the eyes just tell you everything, you know. Mm. They, you know, they, they're the window to your soul. <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, it, it sometimes it's depending what it, type of uh, expression you want to do. Sometimes it's sometimes better focus not just the eyes, maybe on the, the mouth as well, <laughs> or, or the eyebrow.
0: Yeah, uh, I see a point. For instance, though, there are characters, iconic characters in the history of animation. For instance, Gromit, out of Ardman's Wallace and Gromit films, which relies heavily on the expression around the eyes and the ears. Mm. And the amount of genius within those works. When I first looked at Wallace and Gromit, I was blown away.
1: I mean, considering it's (laughs) all made by hand, it is pretty amazing how Fluid, they make it. Indeed. Because sometimes, <clears throat> even you find it a little bit certain positions of your animation. What yes, you're to do, it, it, it can be bit tricky. Bitty. It can be. It
0: it it does sometimes. It does sometimes lack that fluidity and yeah. flow to it. But yeah.
1: how they make it so good on every single film they have done and every single scene.
0: That's the decades of combined experience that they all share. Though. Without yeah. that experience, they wouldn't be as successful a company as they are. Mm. So, I'm writing the early script for After Scenes. And what I've got in my head so far is that it's set after the events of Macro Micro. And it tells of a creator's twisting and distorting into this strange god figure. And all of these creations turn against him. That's that's the basic idea. But you care to speculate about that a bit. Well it sounds nice to that. me
1: that they were once puppets to this good person. Oh so, and it sounds like they're just trying to control their own life, no longer being tied to a string.
0: And what's interesting about that perception is that And what's interesting about that perception is the fact that the human condition is so programmed to be tied down and confined by modern society, because the world we live in is very instant fix, very instant gratification, and it's a very ignorant and arrogant world. And that's why I always go for the hard-hitting topics in my pieces. I always strive to expand and broaden my viewers knowledge because it helps them become better people knowing the world in a different way to what they did before what do you think about that kind of work within animation
1: it helps to open up people's eyes to, you know, Because you know in modern society it's like they try to put you down some things, and yes. like sometimes you you look free, but other times you you're not because you're tied by you tired down by people or or what you're forced to do, i.e. you're forced to inherit a company or something. Yes, I
0: I, I I experienced that in school, in fact, where um, my very raw skill as an animator and these different things that I've evolved over the years was kind of squashed. Mm-hmm. And so. Once I was taken out of school, I was inspired to follow the animation path. And as time went on, I started to branch out into scriptwriting and storyboarding and uh, voicing and doing these different projects over, y- over the years. To the point where now I've been a <laughs> the head of a freelance creative company for two and a half years and it's quite mad to see how far it's come since the start of it all. I sound so American, it hurts my fucking voice!
1: <clears throat>
0: tomorrow we tomorrow, all love. If you're not trying to fake an American accent. I am. It still hurts my voice though.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, do you think that the mainstream schooling system is a crusher of creative validity
1: in some sort of way yeah i agree because schools the way they kind of run things like they don't let you be creative they tell you mm. what creative things you have to do and that's technically yes. not being creative
0: it's like um there was a there was a series of shorts released up until a few years ago called don't hug me Out. don't don't Hug me on scared lad right <laughs> For instance, there was a series of short films called Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. And it really, in the first episode, it really tackled the very restrictive creativity that society allows. And I find it quite sad the fact that people don't see that when they're in the school system. For instance, I remember having quite a very, a very flair for fine art. It was very untamed, it was very raw, but it was there. And here I am seven or eight years later, creating pieces that are fine art in the slightest. And it's it's quite mind boggling because I create collages and paintings and animations and a few, as you can tell, and other bits and bobs, which really don't fit into the normal quota of what is art. Because I'm one of the first episodes of this podcast, I had uh, Mr. Ian Newbronner on, and we were talking about how the term artist can be seen as restrictive for people wanting to get into art because they, from my perspective, they have an impression of art being just drawing or painting or doing fine art.
1: Yeah, that's what people think nowadays art is just drawing, but actually,
0: it's so much more than that. Yeah,
1: it's so much it branches out into many of these. It could be working with, with clay, or mm. actually digiting, digitaling art.
0: Digitally creating art, yeah.
1: Yeah, digital. And there's many other ways of art. Sculpting, that's an art.
0: That's a very incredible art, sculpting.
1: Yeah, uh, so it's not just drawing, because drawing, everyone that are, that are artistically creative can do They do that, that yeah.
0: That most is the time.
1: yes, that is a primary part of it. But it's so much it, more. it's it's
0: the cornerstone to yeah. what creative skills can really be. Yeah. Because for instance when I started this journey six years ago, I didn't I had no clue that I'd end up being a writer as well. Mm. A writer, a storyboarder, a sculptor and all these different things. I, I've I'd even say that I'm an everyman creative because I've put so much of my time into honing my skill and broadening my horizons creatively. Mm. So clay is a very interesting medium isn't it?
1: Yeah it's very interesting and sometimes can be a bit more difficult to get so say if you create a character.
0: Yes it's very difficult. It, it all depends on the kind of clay you're working with. For yeah. instance plasticine it's it's fairly easy to work with, but there are some things which you get with clay that you don't get with other kinds of clay. For instance, mm-hmm. if plasticine is exposed to very high temperatures, it dries out. Yeah. But with um, clay that you get from the earth, it dries out and cracks. Mm.
1: Then again, it's probably much more easier to repair.
0: Uh, or earthy clean kind of as much, but when you're using plasticine or when, you use, when you're using plasticine or other kinds of clay that aren't earth-based, what you get is a much more um, versatile and repairable base for what you're creating. I'm sorry, Angel, did you hear that? You didn't hear that? No. Uh, must be me. Anyway, we were talking about... Um, different kinds of clay give a different feel mm. have you ever worked with any other form of clay apart from dry air drying clay
1: i mean oh well, yeah it was like one where you once you're done with it you had to cook it and some kind of uh a kiln yes yes uh kiln,
0: kiln baking clay
1: yeah that it was quite difficult to work with because it kept on
0: yes it flopping
1: it kept on cracking
0: Yes, it can. Their clay is very difficult to work with. Yeah. Oh shit, what the fuck happened there? What do you mean? I don't know, it just went all floppy. Okay. Mm. Hey. fine. Mm? Oh, yeah, floppy. Hmm.
1: What is this one?
0: You tell me you definitely can't hear that. Listeners, I-I do apologize, but either I'm going mad or there's something... that's. Wait, what the fuck is that? Listeners, we are back, but we are experiencing some minor technological issues. We take you now to our art supply stocks. We do apologize. It's a spike storm, and God knows that they cause hell with the electronics. We will be back shortly after these messages. Journeys don't have a start. Journeys don't have an end either. There's an infinite majesty in the structure of the universe the universe is a machine that relies solely on the idea of the cyclic narrative. So I beg to wonder when all is said and done and someone's journey ends, does another person's journey begin? through a different person's perspective, with all of the experience of that original person's life. It kind of would be like dying. You know? You die, reincarnate. But when you reincarnate, you lose all your memories of your whole lifetime. They no longer are accessible to you your soul and maths is this divine instrument of precision precision and accuracy and geometry and it's been belittled and spat on to the point where no one really respects the intricacy of math it's real shame Maybe we should have left the language of the gods to those beings, because we certainly aren't gods. The Journey of Mankind, that's interesting. If you look at that idea in the smallest sense and largest sense, what you get is this very interesting mirroring. On one side you get the tens of thousands of years of human development and on the other side you get the decades of development as an individual. And you're telling me that that isn't some divine ridiculously powerful form of mathematics. We aren't gods. We aren't their playthings. We're more than that. It's like a, it's like a child. Oh, it's a boy or a girl. It's like, the gods are the small children and we are their dolls, so in a sense we are their playthings, but instead of them playing with us, they are channeling themselves through us. But isn't that all plaything is? Hi, I'm Osric J. Rice. And thank you for listening to my latest piece, We Aren't Gods, which tells of the journey of mankind and the greatest structure of the universe. If you want to get in contact, email me at zombiemotionofficial at gmail.com, or go to my website, zombiemotion.co.uk. See you on the flip side. Oh, for... Apologies, listeners, it seems that even after six months the creatures in charge of the art supply stocks still haven't learned how to work the automatic transmission. Anyway, thank you for joining me, Angel. I would suggest that you don't leave for the moment, there's something outside that, um, might mean if you go out. Now, dear listeners, As the final bastion of our light-working forces, battle the darkness. And the darkness breaks out in a rather ominous cry. We wish you luck, creators. Sleep well. The Zombie Motion Podcast is a production of Zombie Motion. It is written by Henry Welton and produced by Henry Welton. The host of the show was Henry Welton. The guest was Angel Johnson. Today's art supply stocks was... We Aren't Gods by Osric J. Rice. Thoughts? Questions? Submit them in the comments or email us at zombiemotionofficial at gmail.com. The word of the day is, Perceptions are relative. We are in an eternal psychosis. Care to explain what you are doing in my shower? From Z. Matics.